Hey, this is Dere Allen Nieves, and you're listening to Chasing Dreams with Amy J. Welcome to Chasing Dreams Podcast with Amy J. Amy believes that realizing a life without regrets is achieved by taking chances, chasing your dreams, making moves, and overcoming your doubts. The Chasing Dreams Podcast will help you overcome life's obstacles, believe in your potential, and inspire you to face your fears. And now here's the woman who is passionately pursuing her dreams, Amy J. This is Amy J, and thank you so much for tuning in to episode 77 of Chasing Dreams. Today, I have a fellow podcaster, author, and you know, so many more things. Uh, we're going to talk about that in a moment with me. Her name is Dari Allen Nieves, and she is a certified life coach and authorpreneur and goal getter. As a speaker and certified life coach, she has presented numerous professional and personal development topics at organizational chapter meetings, workshops, conferences, schools, universities across the country, and probably so many more other things. She is an award-winning author of three books, What's Wrong With Me, A Girl's Books of Lessons Learned, Inspiration, and Advice, What's Wrong With Me, Reflections Journal, and Ending the Blame Game, Black Single Fathers on Relationships. She is also the host of the Kicking It With Dere podcast, talking about things in life that matter most. And she is taking some time out to join us today. Dree, how are you? I'm great. This is so exciting, Amy. I'm so happy to be on your show. You know, we've been trying and (laughs) some back and forth scheduling things and whatnot. And your show is a little bit similar in the format for me. So curious, how was it to be on the other side doing the things you normally ask others to do? It's great, but I really... I guess it's this thing that most of us humans have, most of us where we know that we're awesome on the inside. We don't like to brag. And so it's like you have to kind of talk about yourself when you're being interviewed and you want to talk about yourself and your stuff and what you have to offer. But at the same time, you're not used to it. You don't do it that often. You're used to making other people shine. It's weird, right? That's the only thing. It's weird. But today is your time to shine. People hear me all the time when they listen to this show, but I want you to shine. But it's interesting what you said, how we're not used to it. And that's something that you might be familiar with uh, and something that kind of drew us together and that I wanted to talk about. You wrote a few books, not just one, a few. Right. And so with those books, one of them, What's Wrong With Me? A Girl's Book of Lessons Learned, Inspiration and Advice. Um, you, you are a very young person. (laughs) So I'm, I'm impressed that you are award-winning author. Where did the book come from? Oh, wow. Well, how, how much, how much time do you have? (laughs) You take your time. Tell me. (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. I don't (laughs) want anyone to fall asleep. Uh, no, I actually, um, before I became a life coach a couple of years ago, I had a life coach. So I have been coached and have been asking for help and got it. And one day way back in 2008, I was talking with my life coach who happened to be living in another city for me. She was living in New York city. I was living in Virginia at the time. And, um, 
I was telling her about some book that I had read and who knows what, because I'm a bookworm and I have been all my life, but I had read someone's life story, someone's probably some celebrity's autobiography. And I said to her, you know, this book is awesome, blah, blah, blah. And she knew that I was a writer, but I'm a technical writer as far as my full-time position. And so she said, you know, you're always talking about other people's books and things that you love about them. Why don't you write a book? And I was like, I said, no way. I don't think that anybody would buy my book if I did bother to write one, if I could actually do it. And even though you might say to yourself, okay, you're a writer. Why wouldn't you be able to write a book? Well, it's different when you're talking about yourself and when you are uh, beginning to position yourself as an expert. And as I said a moment ago, basically brag about yourself or what you do or what you know. And so I had a lot of feelings of insignificance and self-doubt um, as I had as a teenager. And, um, you know, there were situations where I would try to write a book and then I would have to stop after, you know, a few pages because I would get writer's block or I would get lost and not know what to say. And then I would sometimes... Um, think about or look at what other people were doing. I would get so caught up in research to the point where it was basically like I was, you know, in a paralysis state, you know, like analysis paralysis is a term I've heard before. I've heard of where it, yeah. you are doing so much reading, so much research, so much analyzing that you just stop. You're like, oh no, you get overwhelmed and information overloaded and you feel like there's no way I could do this. And so with writing a book or any other major goal or task, getting a college degree, um, even getting a promotion at work, anything, you have to take it step by step. You have to go task by task. If you stop and look at where other people are in their journey going the same place or what you think someone else is doing or where you think you should be, that is going to slow you down a lot. That is going to hurt your morale and so it's very important, as I'll talk about a little bit later, to have at least one strong person around you that even if they don't know how to do what you're trying to do, will be an effective, positive support system for you. This will be the person that will kick you in the pants when you are, you know, feeling sorry for yourself or <laughs> dragging or getting super lazy. And again, it doesn't matter if this person really, really has a strong skill set that matches yours or that you want to aspire to and that can maybe write this, wrote a book like you want to write one or has achieved the goal that you want to achieve. All that really matters is that they support you, they're your cheerleader, but they're also going to let you know the truth and give it to you straight. Yeah. And I think that's, that's key is, you know, they're your cheerleader, but they'll also give it to you straight. Right. So it's not, it's not just that yes person, but also the no person at the same time. It's like a mix of them. And, you know, you, you mentioned um, earlier, and this is before I actually go to the other question I had, but I wanted to touch real quick. What is a technical writer? Oh, a technical writer is a person that uh, writes procedures. And um, basically I write manuals, but they write any kind of procedures or how to's. So um, it might be a little far fetched, to say that, you know, those instructions that you get with furniture are written by a technical writer because they're clearly not. But basically anything that is like a true manual would be something that a technical writer could do. And so I do it for a telecom company, super, super, super technical, 
but there's technical writers in many different industries. I actually got a degree in technical writing, and that's something that a lot of people that um, work above me or older than me in the business don't have. But um, it's a different kind of writing than, you know, um, writing grants or um, doing sales writing or copywriting or blogging. It's a different style of writing. So just because you know how to write one type of thing doesn't mean you necessarily will excel in another. And that that's what makes it neat. And so you talked about it earlier. You didn't think that people would read what you wrote, but here you are a technical writer and I'm wouldn't be surprised if I read something that you wrote in one of my manuals or something like that. But you've also written a book, which is the the opposite style of that. You have blog articles on your website, which is another uh-huh. style of writing. I mean, this is a number of different styles of writing. So you must have been writing for a while in your life. Like, when did you start just writing? Well, just writing without any kind of critique or any kind of audience, we're going to go all the way back to when I was about 12 years old because I have had some kind of journal or notebook since then. I remember I named my diaries, you know, um, and, you know, you can use those words interchangeably, but there are a lot of males that journal. So I'll just use that word because a boy wouldn't be caught dead saying, oh, I have a diary, but I had one and, um, That thing was like my friend, because when you journal or or write your private thoughts in some kind of notebook or something, it is such a release. Um, I'm not a psychologist, but I'm sure they would back me up in saying that it is good to get things out. And some people can't always speak their mind. Sometimes it's good to not say everything you feel when you feel it. But when you write it down, you don't have an audience, you know, you keep it in a safe place and you can let your guard down and there's no judgments. There's no one there to say, you know what, you shouldn't say that you shouldn't do that. And it also helps you to really think about what you care about and what you should do. So when it's time to make decisions or work through some strong emotions that you may be having, when you write it down in a journal, you have, you're forced to just by the nature of how our bodies work really think through and release things. And what I mean by that is that our minds go super bajillion miles faster than our fingers. And so you can even test this when you're talking to someone or listening to someone. If you're in a conversation with someone, have you ever been in a conversation and either you or the other person was like, "Uh uh uh-huh, 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 but they really weren't listening. They just heard one thing and then they wanted to get out what they wanted to say. Yes. And they weren't going to stop to listen because they're just so excited or so anxious to say what they have to say. Well, that's the way our minds work. Our minds go so much faster than our mouths and our fingers. And so as you journal, you obviously cannot write that fast. So you're forced to process things and work through things. Um, It's really good to have a coach if you need some special help or, or, or a therapist, if you have some issues that require that kind of interaction. But a journal is a great place to start because, you know, they're super inexpensive. You know, you don't have to make an appointment. Uh, You can do it almost anywhere. And again, there's no judgments. There's no one that you have to run it by and say, is this okay? The other kinds of writing that Amy and I just mentioned, I have to go and get approvals for it. There's an editor or a boss or a customer somewhere that's going to look at that writing and critique it and decide if it's fit for the world to see. 
And so do you, uh, like my mom, she always wanted us to journal, like me and my sisters. And we always tried. And I, I never could keep it up. And so, you know, I look back and I kind of wish I did. Did you ever keep yours? I have all the all of my journals that I've ever had in my life and I wow. just turned 40. So that's over that's almost 30 years of journals and um no I was not consistent. I did not write a journal entry every single day of my life. I didn't even write every single week of my life. But there's so much there that of course as life stands, you forget things that you've gone through. If you happen to go back and have a, a written, um, you know, history, basically, of what you've been through, you can see how you felt while you were in it, and you can see how you feel now. And it's a wonderful thing to see personal growth in yourself. It's one thing when other people see it in you and you could say, oh, yeah, whatever, I don't know. But we, you can actually literally turn the pages back and have flashbacks and read details that came from you. And be like, oh, wow, I was really, really hurting. I never thought I would forgive that person. Or I never thought I would get over that guy. I never thought that I would get through this situation. And look at me now. Like, thank God I got through this. And it's such a wonderful feeling because it's easy for us to forget about those hard times because we're just busy living life and worried about everyone else. And so I encourage you, even if you don't think you can sustain a perfect, you know, every day. This is not homework. There's no teacher coming to check your work. You know, it's just about you um, documenting your life and releasing, you know, emotions, good or bad. And even, you know, something as simple as a theme like gratefulness. Maybe, you know, you have a problem with complaining. You know, I've had a big problem with that, with my mouth and complaining. I do some great things with my mouth and my voice, but one of the things that I don't do so great is complaining. And so a way to counteract that is to say, okay, I'm going to, at least maybe not every single day, but once a week, perhaps, I'm going to list everything good that I can think of that happened. Even things that we take for granted, like just, I woke up and I could see things like that. Just keeping a gratitude journal. That's an example of a themed journal that you can do. And there's a lot of different kinds. You can just walk into a bookstore, go on Amazon or whatever. And there's all kinds of things that with prompts that will help you to think about, you know, what it is to write. But there really are no rules with journaling. You don't have to do it every day. You don't have to have a theme. You know, you do whatever you want. Now, did, did those journals that you've carried, do you have a guesstimate as to how many you have? Oh, no, I never bothered to try to count. <laughs> I never tried to count them, but I have them all. They're in a safe place and they are um, in wonderful shape. Have they? So, you know, they're not falling apart or anything. I can read my handwriting and everything. Now, have you used those to help in your writing? Oh, absolutely. Journaling is a great way to write a book because that's what I did with the first one. Um, and it's helpful because... It was a nonfiction book and it's partly a memoir. And that's obviously why I would use my own excerpts of my life, but it also is a self-help book. And so what I'm doing, which I alluded to a moment ago is I'm looking back at things that I've been through as a teenager and a young adult. And then I'm saying, okay, here's what I would tell my young self today. This is what I would say, you know, in the 21st century, this is what I would have said to my old self 
if I could have, if I had had, you know, uh, a strong grandmother figure or, you know, uh, a big sister that could give could have given me wisdom, this is the kind of wisdom that I would need. And so in essence, what I was trying to do is kind of be a big sister or auntie to girls that maybe are lacking some of that wisdom or some of those paths. Because unfortunately, it seems like today, um, there's just a lot of youth that are really extra, extra lost. And it's funny how a lot of the same things that I went through are things that we all go through. But in this day and age, there's changes to it. You know, there's, you know, we've got the cyber bullying, you know, oh, we've got sure. the internet involved and, and, and cell phones and things. So there's more ways to, to make people feel bad. You know, they can go on Instagram and post certain kinds of pictures or make rude comments. And it doesn't have to be just in during school hours, you know, so it's taken it to another level, you know, where people are belittling other people for some of the same reasons that they always have. I remember getting picked on because of, you know, my hair being big. You know, people used to pretend like, you know, say things about me like, you know, you look like Oprah or something because your hair is all big. And my hair was very thick and sometimes it would be nappy and stuff and it wouldn't be as straight as other girls. And it was a valued thing to be, you know, to have straight hair or whatever. Um, Another thing was my voice. That's something really obvious to anyone who's listening is that I sound a certain way. And so... I would get teased about that in high school, you know, oh my gosh, you think you're white, you know, and it's like, why do I have to be trying to be white or think that I'm white? Right. Just why, because... why can't you just be you? Yes. And I mean, this is the way that I speak. And if you were in my household and you grew up in my household, we all speak like this and I'm not ashamed of it. I mean, like we all know English and just because I pronounce it, you know, in a more, uh, I guess, more proper way or enunciate my words more than you do doesn't mean that I'm trying to be something that I'm not. I'm being myself. And that is such a thing in our culture, in this country, that is undervalued is that is being yourself. We say be yourself. We say you can do anything you want to do, but do our actions and the things that we support really, you know, encourage that for real? That's, yeah. It's not know? the first belief that we have when we meet someone it's always automatically assumed, it feels like at least, that they're trying to be something that they're not, mm -hmm. rather than assume uh, genuine, genuinity? What is it? Someone being genuine. Yes. Yeah. You know when you're trying to find a word, I'm like, hey, what is that? When I don't know. Genuineness? Is that yeah, a word? Like, look, look, Amy, I make up words. Right? I'm like, what is a word I want to say? I put A-T-I-O-N <laughs> on the end of a lot of words that don't, or doesn't belong. Asian. Just so people can get what I'm trying to say. So but the yeah, genuation I, is what Amy's trying to say. Yes. And you know what? <laughs> you all understood what, what I meant to say. So there it is. <laughs> It worked. Yeah. And, but that, that's, that you're absolutely right. People do feel that way. And, you know, one thing, um, I think the Olympics and just, you know, life has, has showed is that, you know, representation matters because a lot of people don't see other people who are the same way they are, you know, and outside of looks and, and culture, it's also, you know, uh, occupations, the fact that you talked about your voice and just, uh, how people behave and act and the interests they have. Seeing other people who also have the same interests and, you know, other types of descriptions, whatever it is, it helps when they see someone else like them. 
Yes, it does. And it's really, it's much more encouraging now than it has been um, in the past, like when I was growing up in the 80s. And so, you know, my kids are seeing things that, you know, um, make things more, uh, let me say this, re-say this. They see things more often marketed and in TV shows and so forth that represent their culture more often than not, where in the past it was difficult to find things, especially for um, females of color. Just really, really hard to find certain things, certain kinds of, you know, beauty products, especially, you know, it's just really hard to be able to relate to a pro commercial. Yes. Okay. And so, um, you know, we would like, put towels around our heads and throw them around and play like, Oh, look at my hair, you know, just different things being funny, but not really seeing that represented. And thank God my daughter, you know, she, um, she wears her hair naturally. She doesn't have a perm or anything. And she, um, embraces herself the way that she is. And so she's, she's surrounded by people, even though she has lots of, uh, friends from all different races, she is really very strongly embedded in her own culture and knowing herself and not feeling like she has to be something that she's not. And that's really important as girls grow up. So it's so crazy that we're talking about this book that I wrote a few years ago for teenage girls. My daughter wasn't yet a teenager. She's 13 now and turning 14 in a few months. Mm, And so I just gave her the book to start reading and she started reading it and she's thinks it's good, but she stopped reading it for a while. And I'm like, Hey, you know, when are you going to finish my book? But, (laughs) (laughs) but I've gotten a lot of, I've gotten a lot of great feedback, even from girls that are, that are white that have read the book. You know, they say, you know, even though I'm white, I still understand everything that you're trying to say and I love it and I'm going to pass it around to my friends. And so it's really interesting. The people that you touch when you're just honest about where you've been and the things that you have learned from those things that you've been through. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree with that. And you are actually not only sharing this message through writing, but you're also sh- taking it to the classrooms and stuff. How is what is that like? Speaking to girls one on one, one on a class in, in smaller uh, encounters. What is that like? Mm-hmm. Kind of having that close, direct interaction. It is awesome because you have that instant energy and that feeling. It's something that you sometimes hear singers talk about is, oh, I love to sing live because the people just love you back and they're singing the words with you and stuff. Well, when I'm speaking or when I'm facilitating a workshop with girls, they're just, you know, coming at you raw. You know, if you have teenage teenagers in your home or you know teenagers, Mm -hmm. you know, they're pretty honest. You know, they don't really hold back a whole lot. And so- they tell me how they're feeling. We we talk a lot about um, one of the subjects that's really close to me as I wrap into all of this with the self-esteem and being who you are has to do with something called media literacy. And media literacy is basically saying, what am I looking at? Who created it? And what do they want me to do or believe from this work? And that work could be music videos, songs, films, anything generated that's part of media. And so a lot of times in these workshops that we're talking about, I'll play music videos or we'll talk about song lyrics. We'll talk about reality TV shows and different stereotypes that come about, especially women of color. And, you know, why is that positive or negative? Is it really just entertainment? Is it really harmless? These are different kinds of questions that I pose to the kids because 
we as adults can say whatever we want. There's adults producing the con- the content sure. and there's adults, quote, acting in the content. But there's a lot of kids, you know, that are well under 13. 13, I still think is too young for that, but well under 13 consuming that content. And it's not just the quote unquote uh, ratchet reality shows. I- I'm really kind of in- um, in- engrossing all of them, encompassing all of them because um, I know my daughter came to me last week and she was like, mommy, can I watch the bachelor? Wow. And she didn't really have to ask. She, she, she knew, she knew that she needed to ask me, mm-hmm. but she could have been the typical kid and just been like, well, I'm in my room. I got my TV. I'm gonna just watch sure. this. But she knows the values that I've talked to her about for years and what I do and don't want for her. And so she came to me and said, can I watch this show? And I was, I looked at it. And I'm like, I'm sorry. You know, that's not a show that I'm approving you to watch. And I don't even want her watching it like with my husband or another adult. I just really don't want her watching that show. And that's my preference. And I think it's up to every adult in their home to set those guidelines and values to say, you know what? Yeah, this might be considered entertainment by some people, but here's how it's harmful or here are the stereotypes that they're perpetuating or here's why the people that are on the shows are doing this because there's a certain formula with all of the reality shows. And I won't go deep into it, but we all know that reality shows have a lot of eliminations. There's a lot of crying. There's a lot of violence. There's a lot of um, really crazy editing done by the producers to only capture certain types of things repetitively. Sure, you you don't get the full picture. Yeah, and so it's designed you know, to entertain and to keep you, you know, watching. And that's why they continue to keep creating those shows, of course, because if they weren't having great ratings, they wouldn't keep continue to do it, especially the shows about the couples and and matching people and finding love. That's a very popular theme among reality shows. And so do I watch some? Yeah, there's some that I watch, but my daughter is not allowed to watch a lot of them. And um, the ones that I do watch with her, we talk about what's happening. So, um, you know, it's a preference for your home. I can't tell you what's right or wrong for you, but I just know that this culture of, you know, media and the video games and the what's in the music videos and what's in the, the TV and the reality shows is has a has pushes pushes a lot more values and morals in kids' faces that parents may not necessarily approve of or believe in. And you know, it's not it's it's interesting you, you say that because I think uh if the, if I watch even Disney Channel today versus Disney Channel uh 1990s, it's an mm-hmm. entirely different vibe. And that can be the same can be said about all sorts of channels. And I think uh, it's catering to a younger audience or is catering to the the times that that are there right now. Uh, but it's interesting because I, I had that same observation. I'm like, wow, this is this is kind of risque. Oh, my mm-hmm. goodness. It's a little risque for me here, you know, depending on what it is. And so it's yes. the exposure that kids have to it and the feeling that they have that they're grown by being exposed to it and be like, I've seen that. Like, I don't care if you've seen that. You're still only 12. That's right. You know? That's right. <laughs> it's like, uh-huh. And uh, you can tell by that the, happen? You, know, you can tell by the way that they speak and act as well. If there's a certain way that they speak and act normally, and then they introduce another, you know, certain vocabulary word or phrase or something, 
okay, where'd you get that from? You know, who are you mm-hmm. hanging around? Mm-hmm. What are you watching? What are you listening to? So I enjoy now that she, my daughter's older, being able to share things with her about my perspective, what I was like when I was her age, and finding out what she thinks, because this keeps that whole, you know, parenting thing on the upswing, because things are going to get tougher and tougher as the years go by, I've been told. And I want to keep those lines of communication open because when things get super serious, you know, when she starts liking boys and, and different things like that, I don't want to have a wall between us because she doesn't feel like she can talk to me or she doesn't feel like she can talk about that subject or I wouldn't understand, you know, or I don't, I don't really get it. I want her to know that I get it and that I've been there and done that and be completely as real as possible with her because teens value that realness. Kids are super, super real and they detect fakeness from a mile away and they really don't respect it. Yeah. And it's interesting because, um, it, it's different. And, you know, if, if I, if I try to, my parents tried to raise me and my sisters the same way they did previously today, I'm not sure how well that would have gone, you know? And it's interesting to see how the circle of life is that, you know, now if I raise kids, when I have, if I'm blessed enough to have kids later or adopt, you know, how would I raise them? It'd be different because you're right. You see things in different forms. There's bullying, but now there's the cyberbullying, and it's like, okay, how do I address this? And then there's that, the media that you were talking about. And it's, it's very intense, but it's not something that other generations haven't faced. It's just in a different form. Mm-hmm. And they survived, and I'm sure we can survive. And I mean, you're doing your part with these conversations you're having at school and in the books. And I'm curious to know if you're, do you have another book in you? Are you, do you plan to write again? I don't have another book that I want to write right now, but I definitely could. So I, I won't say, oh no, I'm done writing books. I wouldn't say that because I always have a lot of information that I like to share. But I want it to be an organic thing. I don't want it to be forced like, okay, well, I got to write another book now because I've, you know, done this before and this is what's expected of me or, you know, somebody, you know, suggests an idea to me and it might be a great idea, but I want it to be authentic and organic. I want it to be something that I truly believe in and that I think that people will benefit from. And I want it to be uh, helpful. I don't want it to just be some kind of fluff crap that, you know, you can just find on Google. I want it to be something that, you know, comes from the heart and that is truly meant to help people because that's what I'm known for so far is, um, you know, really trying to help others based off of, you know, the messes of uh, myself or others before me. So you mentioned one of the books that I wrote has to do with black single fathers. Mm -hmm. That's an example of a book where I wanted to address something about relationships, but I'm obviously not a black father. I'm not a man. So I had to go and interview several people that are, as well as other people who are experts in, you know, marriage, family counseling and things like that, because I need to go to people that can speak to those issues that I care about. And yes, as a writer, I'm putting it together, but it's not my words and my concepts, but it comes from what, you know, I, my, my desire to help others. So whatever, you know, the, the genre or the audience, you know, I want it to be helpful and to be worth the while of reading the book. So, and it's actually interesting now that we're, in 2017, it's early 
in the years. We're still in 2000. We're still in January, or I guess by the time this airs, it'll be just February. It'll be February 2nd or 1st, something like that. So it's still early enough in the year. You're t- if I wanted to write a book, right? Because why not? I could. I mean, you talked about, about it earlier. How do you go about that? Oh, wow. That is such a huge question, Amy. You know, every now and then, I, I do impress myself. <laughs> it's a loaded question. Well, well I mean, so many people talk about it, right? When you talk about goals for yourself, I've, I've heard so many people say, I want to be uh, a speaker. I want to I make music. I want to be a YouTube star. I want to be an author. Well, um, you know, I figure out, I ask, well, I have an author of three books <laughs> on the show. Yes, yes. Well, you know... Again, I want to stress this is super important. Any goal you have, book or not, you need to make sure that you have someone around you um, that is going to be your cheerleader, but also someone that will encourage you and motivate you to keep you going. Um, But as far as writing a book or any other goal, I would say you have to break things down into steps. You have to break things down into steps. So you don't write a book from beginning to end the way that you read it, the way that most people read it. You write it as it comes to you in pieces. I cannot advise you on how to write a fiction book, which would be a story about something, or even how to adapt your life into somewhat fictional means. That is not something that I've done before, so I won't even bother trying to address that. What I've written is a memoir and self-help books. Those, that's my genres right there. Those are my genres. So for me, it's writing pieces that come to you, that you remember, that you want to make sure you get out, even if it's just an outline. It doesn't necessarily have to be paragraph format. It could be, you know, bullet points like the time that I went to Brooklyn with my sister or what happened when I went to college and I met so-and-so like just jot down a bunch of different things that have happened in your life that made an impression on you. And if you are just telling a story, you could stop right there. But if you're like me and you actually want to give lessons and share what you've learned, then take it another step and just mention something about what those things did for you. And then you can flesh out the details later. Um, I think it's very important to try to give yourself a deadline as to when you want to have it done and work backwards. I created something called a self-publishing timeline and that self-publishing timeline is free. I'll let you know how you can get it. But basically what it does is it helps you to understand what you need to do to publish your own book, the different steps that it takes how much each step will cost in time and money. And that way you can schedule it out. You can go backwards and say, you know what? By the end of 2017, I want to have this complete manuscript done and ready to be published. So that means you've got about 11 months. And so now you've got to work back from that. And it can be done, you know? It may not be a 500-page masterpiece, you know, you might not be able to, to write that much and have it edited and processed in 11 months. It just depends on how prolific you are and whether or not you have a full-time job and kids and all these other things. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, some people, some writers talk about they sit down every day for four hours at their desk and they just go at it. I didn't do that. 
<laughs> I don't like putting pressure on myself it's to, hard. to write the book. Yeah, it's but hard. But you also, exactly. But you also, please do not say, I'll get to it, I'll get to it, I'll get to it. So it's important to schedule yourself time to write, but not to feel super pressured that you have to sit there for four hours. I'm the kind of person, and a lot of people are like this, that things come to me when I'm not on the subject. You know, I'm driving down the street on a way to an appointment or something. Has nothing to do with my book. And an idea pops in my head. Well, what do you do? Well, hopefully you've got an app, a voice recorder, or a little like notepad where you can jot something down before you lose it. Or maybe, you know, you're getting ready to fall asleep or you're just waking up. You know, you're in the bed and you're in a semi-comatose state and you start thinking about ideas and you're like, yeah, da 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 Do not think that you will remember it later when you, you wake up. You won't. You totally won't. And you won't necessarily like three minutes later. You need to... Keep a notepad by your bed. Exactly. There it is. And that way you can have those notes so that when you do have your scheduled time to write, that may not be four hours. It might only be, you know, 30 minutes. That's a lot more reasonable. You can start with that 30 minutes and start with those things that you've jotted down and go from there. And if it ends up being an hour or so, great. But don't force yourself to do it. You know, do you have to type it versus handwriting it? No, you don't. You know, there's dictation software where, you know, you can speak into it and have someone edit and correct it later for those little hiccups that software always makes. Um, but yeah, so don't put a lot of pressure on yourself to uh, to write every day or write four hours a day or whatever. But also don't let yourself off the hook. Again, get that person, that accountability partner that's going to say, oh, so did you write this week? And don't just be like, yeah, no. If you wrote, what did you write about? If you did it, what was so hard about it? Because sometimes when we procrastinate, Amy, we think about the task and then we like have this deep sigh about why we can't do it and feel overwhelmed. So it's important to be able to share with someone, even if that someone is your journal. You mean when, share you, when you talk yourself out is. of it before you even yeah, get to what, it? Yeah. What What is blocking you? What is that thing that is in your mind that when you start to get ready to write, you have an interruption, maybe, maybe you need someone to keep your, your kids quiet or take them in another room or something. Maybe you need to go to the library and have super silence. Like, what is it? What is the reason that you really won't take the, those like simple 30 minutes to do anything? Because, you know, all you're doing when you're writing a book or any other goal is just building on yourself. You're doing a little bit this week and then a little bit in the next week. And then you've got 10 pages and then you've got 30 pages and then you've got a hundred pages, but you have to do it every day or every week, you know, for it to build up. If you're, if you just take off a month from writing, well, now you've got to change your whole schedule because now you've only got 10 months, you see? Yep. And then you, you make yourself more frustrated. It's not that you can't do it in 10 months. It's just that why put that pressure on yourself? Just do a little bit and get into it. And you'll see that even though it's not always easy, you got to remind yourself. Here's another thing, Amy, that I talk about when I do my webinars. What is your why? Why do you want to accomplish this goal? It's a huge Whether question. It's whether it's a book or something else, you know, you want to get a degree, you want to get a different job, you know, 
what is your why? Why would your life be better if you did this? Are you doing it to satisfy yourself? Are you going to make more money? Is it a sense of accomplishment? Do you want to leave a legacy? Or are you just trying to do this because it's the thing to do? Because your friends are doing it? Because you think that it might give you some prestige? Like, what is the real reason? It needs to be from the heart. And that will sustain you when you get frustrated at those different times when you have a writer's block or when you get frustrated with something, you can look at that publishing timeline or whatever that checklist is and say, you know what? I got a ways to go, but this is my why at the top right here. Mm -hmm. And I'm remembering why I have to do this because it's not about, it's not all about me. Maybe a little bit about you. Maybe, you know, there's nothing wrong with wanting a little prestige or, or wanting to accomplish something and feeling good. But ultimately if you have the right goal, that goal is eventually going to help bless somebody else. Someone else is going to benefit from you achieving it. And that's how, that's my personal feeling. So, um, just have, make sure you have your why. That's the first step. Don't even write a word until you get your why together. Yeah, that's great advice, especially uh, because you, you emphasize that it should be the first thing because sometimes a lot of people will just jump straight into it, you know, without having taken that first step. And then, you know, all it is is a cycle of I'm doing this. I don't know why I'm doing this. I'm just and it continues mm-hmm. and continues, and you waste your time, and then you finish it or you don't finish it. Who knows? But that's a, an important thing. And I'm just going to second what what Dari said there. But Dari, you've given so much great content here. But you know, as we as we begin to wrap up, one of the things I, I've told people in 2017 we're doing is getting specific. We're getting to the straight and narrow. So. So if you were to tell a dream chaser and you had to say one specific action, right, what would you tell them to do? I would say, again, that you need to find your why. What is your why? When you get clear about why you want to do something and what you will accomplish and who you will benefit and how far that goal can reach to bless other people, then you will be super motivated and you can re-motivate yourself when times get tough. Because I tell you, even though I'm a professional technical writer, I still sometimes have issues with, you know, self-confidence and is anybody going to read this? Does anybody care? Well, you know, I didn't go from rags to riches. You know, I, I didn't like conquer, you know, um, some really hard things like, you know, uh, molestation or living in an orphanage or anything like that. So I'm just kind of ordinary. Who's going to read my story? And I'm so ordinary. No, you're not too ordinary. Find your why and make sure that you can find someone who um, can champion your significance because we are all significant, even if it doesn't seem like it, even if it seems like our story is blah or our life is blah, it's not. We all are here for a purpose. I mean, I got nothing else to add to that. That's fantastic. I can't thank you enough for coming on the show and sharing your knowledge. I mean, you were just dropping them left and right. And (laughs) it's the beginning of the year. This is something that you can do. She had like three points off the bat that I can name that you guys should be doing. So 
If you're not sure what they are, you can always check them out on the show notes page over at ChasingDreamsHQ.com slash episode 77. And Dari, you've got to come back. That was fantastic. You're always welcome here. Thank you so much, Amy. I enjoyed meeting you last summer at the podcast movement conference. And um, I just really know that you are a special person. I can tell that just from the first time that I spoke with you. And um, before we go, I want to give people a special promo just for listening to the Chasing Dreams podcast. Sure. And thank you. Um, you know, it's something that is just for Amy's listeners. So if you are interested um, in these resources for how to write your own book, or even if you just want the free publishing timeline, you can do that um, by going to my website, which is dereeallen.com. And that is spelled D-A-R-E-E-A-L-L-E-N.com forward slash write your book. And that will take you to that whole information. You can download the publishing timeline with no obligation. If you are interested in the e-course that I mentioned, um, normally it is $197. But for Amy's listeners, if you use the code AmyJ25, that will give you a discount. And if you're listening to this a little bit later, that's just for a limited time. If you're listening to this a little bit later, say, you know, I don't know, summer or something, you can use the code Amy J, A-I-M-E-E-J, and that will also give you a discount. And so I just want to show my appreciation for people listening to the show and listening to me for an hour. Dre, thank you so much. Guys, you gotta gotta jump on that while you have it. Not a lot of people will give away things like that to help you chase your dreams. So please do check it out. And like I said, you can find that link and all the links that were mentioned today on the show notes page over at ChasingDreamsHQ.com slash episode 77. That's episode 77. And until next time, Dream Chasers, keep chasing. Thank you so much for listening to Chasing Dreams. Amy would love to connect with you and hear all about your pursuit of chasing your dreams. Connect with her on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram via at ChasingDreamsHQ. Or you can find Amy on Twitter at AmyJ21. That's A-I-M-E-E-J-2-1. Be sure to visit headquarters over at ChasingDreamsHQ.com for more inspiration, motivation, and resources to help with your own dream chase. We hope you'll join Amy next week. And until then, keep chasing. Keep chasing.